Blog Talk Radio. It's time for deliverance. Amen. Praise the Lord, saints. This is, uh, are we on, Apostle? Are we on, Apostle? Hang on. Okay. Now. We're on air now. Go ahead. Okay. Well, praise the Lord, church. This is Evangelist Janet Taylor coming to you live from Walls of Fire Deliverance Ministry. We are located at P.O. Box 1148, Walkertown, North Carolina, 27051. If you'd like to sow a seed, that is our mailing address. The phone number here is 336-575-0206. You can find us on the Internet at www.wallsoffiredeliveranceMIN.com. And our email address is jet245 at msn.com. Dot com. We are gathered here tonight. We are coming back to you live with God Wants to Deliver You, Part 2. So before I get started, I'm going to blow the shofar, and then Apostle's going to blow his shofar, and then we're going to get started with Part 2 of God Wants to Deliver You. <laughs> Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Glory be to God in the highest. This is the sounding. Jesus of Nazareth, the Israeli. I am pro-Israel. Amen. Amen. And the sound of the shofar in this day and time is to wake up the sleeping church. We must blow the trumpet in Zion and sound the alarm because the time is short. And Jesus Christ, our Savior, is soon to come. So we we blow the shofar to sound the alarm to wake up the church. Glory be to God in the highest. All right, let's get right into this teaching. Tonight's teaching is God wants to deliver you, part two, and it is found in Exodus chapter fourteen, verses eight through twelve. We're gonna 
cover a lot of scripture tonight. And this is what the word of the Lord says. It says, and the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued after the children of Israel. And the children of Israel went out with a high hand, but the Egyptians pursued after them all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh and his horsemen and his army and overtook them encamping by the sea beside Pihara before Baal-Zephon. And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were sore afraid, and the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. And they said unto Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. I'm telling you tonight, we got a powerful uh, teaching coming from the Word of God, and it is on the topic, God wants to deliver you. This is part two. Now, last week, we were on, and, um, you know, we covered a whole lot of material, but tonight, we're going to cover even more material, because it is important for the people of God to know that as much they want to be delivered, as much as you want to be delivered, God wants to deliver you more than you want to be delivered. So let's talk about this. Now, let's start with deliverance. What is deliverance? All right? Now, deliverance is the removal of demonic and tormenting spirits that cause spiritual oppression and fear and even physical oppression. According to Mark 16 and 16, demons must be cast out in order to be set free. So let's look at Mark 16 and 16. Glory be to God. Because everything that you need to know about deliverance has, has to have a biblical uh, foundation. So we go to the Word of God to get that so that you will know I'm not giving you my opinion I'm giving you the word of God. Glory be to God. So this is what Mark 16 and 16 says. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, 
and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Now, this is the word of the Lord. So the Lord, Jesus, was speaking here, and he was telling the church, this is when he commissioned the apostles, uh, the, they were still disciples at that time, to go out and teach and preach the gospel, making disciples of all nations. And he told them, these signs shall follow them that believe. And he said, they shall cast out devils. Glory be to God. Now, cast out devils is the ministry of deliverance. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so what we want to do is we want to study tonight because the Bible says study to show thyself approved. So let's look at Luke, Luke 4 and 18. These also are the words of Jesus. Jesus uh, went in the temple, and the Bible said they gave the book of the prophet Isaiah to him. And when he opened the book, he found the place where it was written, and he quoted from the book of Isaiah. So this comes from Isaiah 61, but it's Jesus said it. He wasn't alive back then. So Jesus said it in uh, Luke 4 and 18. It says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance. There's that word, deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, them that are wounded. Glory be to God. To preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And the Bible says, and he closed the book and he gave it to the preacher and he sat down. These are the words of Jesus. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. So he was the one that told us about deliverance. Glory be to God. Now, the deliverance ministry movement began with Jesus Christ. He was the first one who demonstrated the power and the authority to cast out demons, his deliverance, when the church was first birthed. They practiced what they saw Jesus do, and he gave them power and authority to do so. But later, people began to stray from the word, and uh, so the, the, the teaching on deliverance, the, uh, it kind of dissipated. Now, Derek Prince, who is known as the father of deliverance, actually revived the deliverance ministry in the 60s, and it has become widespread. But there are still countless people in the body of Christ today who don't believe in deliverance. So the scriptural basis for the deliverance ministry comes from Ephesians 6, 10 through 20, and Luke 4 and 18. Now, there are four important elements of deliverance, which are the removing 
of uh, legal rights through renunciation. You actually remove the devil's right to you by renouncing him. And then you take authority over the unclean spirits, bind them, cast them out, and the pulling down of strongholds, that's in Second Corinthians, and inner healing. There are four different types of deliverances. Um, uh, they used to use the word exorcism. There are four different types of deliverances um, which remove demons from people, houses, property, and animals. Now, to be delivered is to be set free from bondage. So we see here in um, Exodus that the children of Israel have been in bondage to the Egyptians for uh, 430 years. And so God heard their cry, and he raised up Moses to lead them out of Egypt. Now, we just read where the children of Israel, they followed Moses, but before they even followed him, they told him, leave us alone. Just let us stay here in Egypt and, 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 and be in bondage to Pharaoh. And so Moses told them, the Lord has heard your cry, and he uh, wants to deliver us. And so they got out there over 6 million people, men and women and children, and they got out there and they began follow Moses, and they made it as far as the Red Sea. So when they got to the Red Sea, they panicked because they saw all that water in front of them, and they saw Pharaoh and his army behind him, and they were afraid, and they began to cry. And what they said to Moses was, didn't we tell you to leave us alone? They said, were there no graves in Egypt? They said, why have you brought us out here to die like this in the wilderness? But Moses, he rose up in faith, and he said, fear ye not, and stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. Salvation is deliverance. Glory be to God. It's another word for deliverance. See the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today, not tomorrow, not next week, not next month. Moses said today, glory be to God. And I'm speaking those words to somebody. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today, glory be to God. And then he goes on to say the Egyptians. Now, Egypt represents the world. And he said, the Egyptians whom you see today, you won't see them again no more. And then he said, forever. Glory be to God. Now, for somebody, that ought to be good news. You got some Egyptians on your track tonight. You got some Egyptians following you. You got some Egyptians in pursuit of you. You got some Egyptians trying to oppress you and depress you. You got some Egyptians tormenting you. But I got a word for you tonight. Stand still 
salvation of the Lord that he's going to show to you today. Glory be to God. And he says, the Egyptians that you see today, you won't see them again no more forever. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. He says, the Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. You see, crying, crying is not a spiritual weapon. Glory be to God. God has given the body of Christ spiritual weapons of warfare. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. But crying is not one of them. Crying won't get you nothing but a headache. Glory be to God. So we have got to stop crying. Glory be to God. And let God demonstrate. He will arise and demonstrate his mighty power. God wants to deliver you more than you want to be delivered. Now, when the children of Israel cried out to God originally, the Bible says in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 7, God heard their cry, and he said, I am come down to deliver you. In this particular chapter, they have already left Egypt. They have already left Egypt, and then Pharaoh decides to go after them. Now, Pharaoh was known for his mighty army. He had 600 chariots, and so he went in behind them. He was in hot pursuit behind the children of Israel. Somebody listening to the sound of my voice tonight, there's a devil in hot pursuit of you. There are demons tormenting you, and there are demons oppressing you and depressing you. And it feels like the devil is on your track. It feels like he's about to overtake you, and you are afraid. But I want to speak to your spirit, man, tonight. Fear ye not. First of all, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Glory be to God. And perfect love casts out all fear. So the word of the Lord is fear not. Glory be to God. And he said, you're trying to figure it out. You're trying to, your way out of this mess. You're trying to figure out how you're going to pay this uh, monumental bill. You're trying to figure out how you're going to get healed. You're trying to figure out how you're going to uh, be able to handle this situation or that situation. But that's not your job. That's not your job. Your job is to take the matter to God in prayer. Glory be to God. Jesus said, whatsoever you ask the Father in my name, he will do it. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. So it's not a time for crying, but it is the time for praying. I was telling my husband today how this is such a serious hour that we are living in. These are perilous times. These are the last days. But this is the hour for prayer. It's time for the church to come together, the body of Christ, the believers of the Most High God, to come together and pray. But it amazes me how people who say they love God never want to talk to God. That just amazes me. Uh, You can't get people to pray because they're either too busy. 
busy to pray, or they're too worried to pray, or they're too upset to pray, or they're too this or too that. But this is where we need to stand still and call upon the name of the Lord. Glory be to God. Crying will not solve your problem. Glory be to God. So the children of Israel began to cry. Glory be to God. And they began to complain against Moses as if he was the source of their trouble. He was not the source of their trouble. Moses was only doing what God had told him to do. Glory be to God. He said, bring his people out of Egyptian bondage. Glory be to God. But when they, at first they were happy, that's how people are. They'll be happy uh, at first, but then the minute they find out that uh, it's going to be some hard work, that, that the road will not be easy, all of a sudden they will turn on you. And, and they begin to turn on Moses, and they begin to say, uh, were there not any graves in Egypt? And we told you to leave us alone. But Moses told them to fear not and to stand still and to see the salvation of the Lord. And that is the word of the Lord to somebody under the sound of my voice tonight. You have a problem that you can't solve. It is a God-sized problem. Glory be to God. But God can handle it. Glory be to God. All you got to do is fear not. That means don't glory be to God. The scriptures tell us all things are possible to them that believe. With men, it is impossible. But with God, all things are impossible. You see, with Moses, it was impossible. He didn't know what to do. He had to talk to God. But God told Moses to fear not and to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And I'm telling you something. You might not see your way out of this situation tonight. Maybe you're in sin. Maybe you've been caught up in adultery or fornication. Maybe you're on drugs tonight and it looks like there's no way out. I want you to stand still. Glory be to God. You done tried to figure it out. You done tried to work it out. You have tried everything. And right now, you see, you feel like there's no way out. But all you got to do is stand still because help is on the way. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Now, let's go back to uh, 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 our topic, which is God wants to deliver you. And we want to talk about deliverance. The scriptural basis, uh, I told you, was for, um, for this is from Ephesians 6 and 10. So let's turn there, and we already covered Luke 4 and 18. So let's go to Ephesians, Ephesians 6 and 10. Glory, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Now, this is what the word of the Lord says. The Apostle Paul wrote this book. And he says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. He didn't say just be strong. He said be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. See, you got to put on the whole armor of God. 
Some people got pieces of their armor on and pieces are missing. They're not prayed up. They're not fasted up. They, 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 the breastplate of righteousness is not covered, and, and, and they don't have the shield of faith. Some stuff they got on parts of the armor, but other parts of the armor are missing. So he said, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The wiles are the schemes and strategies of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. That's so important because so many times we get upset and we get upset with people. But it's not the people. It's a demon operating through that person. Glory be to God. And so the scripture, Paul says, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We're not wrestling against human beings. We are wrestling against principalities and powers and against the rulers of darkness of this world. Glory be to God. Spiritual wickedness in high places. So let's talk about that for a minute. What are principalities? Principalities are uh, ruling uh, 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 demonic spirits that rule over nations and regions. That's what principalities are. So if you go into an area, you need to know what is the ruling principality in that area, especially if you are called to deliverance ministry. Now, a lot of people don't take heed to stuff like this. They think, oh, that's too much for me. I, I, I don't need to know all that. But you do need to know this. You need to know these things. I remember I went to Orlando for a conference. I was one of the speakers there. And um, my spiritual mom lives outside of uh, Orlando in Apopka. So when I left the hotel, I was going to spend a couple of nights at my spiritual mom's house. So I got there, and I got in my car, and I was leaving the hotel, and I drove past Disneyland and uh, or Disney World, whatever it's called. I drove past it, and I sensed a strong spirit of darkness, just darkness, just darkness. And I said, Lord, what is that? And the Lord spoke to me and said, that is the spirit of perversion. So if I were going to that area to do deliverance, I would have to cast out the spirit of perversion first because that's the ruling principality there. All right. So now he says, we are wrestling against principalities and against powers, against the rulers of the darkness. There are rulers of darkness. Powers are authorities. The rulers of the darkness are, are Satan's, uh, 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 his, 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 his imps and his, his, uh, 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 his, his, that's his army. They are the rulers of the darkness. Satanists are under this category. They, they fall under this category. They operate 
uh, under the cover of darkness, okay? And then the word of God goes on to say spiritual wickedness of in high places. Spiritual wickedness in high places are those fallen angels and uh, demons and Lucifer himself. So so let's go back and, and, and get this. Principalities are rulers, but they are rulers over regions and nations. Powers are authority, and rulers are world rulers. So, you know, you, you see these people on television sometimes. You can look at them and see uh, 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 Satan inside of them. You can just look at their eyes and see. Uh, uh, I, I can name one in particular. I won't call his name, but every he's a he's a leader of a nation. And every time I look at him, I see nothing but evil. Nothing but evil in this man. And and guess what? He he it manifests because he operates that way. He he's cruel. He's he's wicked. He's a murderer. He's a murderer. The man is a murderer, and I can see it in him. All right. Spiritual wickedness are wicked spiritual beings that are fallen angels, demons, and even Lucifer himself. So the scripture has explained to us what we are fighting against. Now, you and I are no match for these beings without the power of the Holy Spirit and the authority that God has given us. He has given us authority, which is exousia, and he has given us dunamis, which is power. Now, let me give you a demonstration of what that looks like. Because somebody might be confused thinking they're one and the same, but they are not. When you see a police officer, a police officer has been given authority by the city or the state that he works for. So let's just say uh, he was a police officer of, of, of Baltimore. He was... He has been vested with authority by the mayor of Baltimore. So that's where he gets his authority. See, any, can't know anybody just come up to you and say, halt in the name of the law. Can't nobody, anybody come up to you and, and say, um, I want to search you. They have to have authority to do that. So this guy uh, who is a police officer, he has sworn an oath and he's been given a badge, and he has been given authority by the city of Baltimore. I just picked Baltimore out of a hat. All right, so he says, halt. He sees a a suspicious-looking person, and he says, halt, in the name of the law. And most people would stop at that, but you got some, some ain't going to stop. They're going to keep going. They're going to keep doing whatever they're doing that he said stop doing. So then that officer pulls out his power, which is either his nightstick or his gun. So I said all that to say that is the difference between authority and power. But we as born-again spirit-filled believers have been given both authority and power. Luke 10, 19, 
says, Behold, I give unto you power, power over all the power of the enemy, power to tread on serpents and scorpions, and nothing by any means shall harm you. Power and authority. The scripture tells us in Acts, Acts chapter 1 and verse 7, after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, you shall receive power to be witnesses unto me. Glory be to God. And guess what? He said we will be witnesses unto him in Jerusalem, that's locally, in all Judea, that's the region or the state, in Samaria, that's a, a further region, that's a broader region, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. That's worldwide. We have we have power and authority, but most people most people don't use it. Most people they just sit up twiddling their thumbs. They don't pray. They don't pray. They don't pray. They don't pray in the Holy Ghost. They don't activate the power. The devil come in, do whatever he want to do, and they just sit there and let the devil take their family members. They just sit there. And uh, these people go to church all the time, but they don't operate in the spiritual gifts. Now, let me say something. God has given his people spiritual weapons, and I want to talk about them. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10, verses 4 and 5, that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. So we don't fight with our fists. You know, when I was unsaved, I used to fight with my fists. We don't use guns and knives. Not in this arena. In a spiritual war, those weapons are not, uh, 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 they won't work. We have to use the weapons that God has given us. He says they are not carnal, so they are not fleshly, but are mighty through God. I want you to hear that. The weapons of our warfare are mighty through God, but they are not carnal. In other words, they cannot be purchased. We don't use those types of weapons. They're not physical. They're not fleshly. They are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and everything that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity. My God, you're talking about power. It's casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, there are many spiritual weapons of warfare that believers can utilize to defeat the enemy. We can use them by themselves or in combination. I call them WMDs, weapons of mass destruction. But we have to exercise the power and the authority to use them. Okay. It's like you move into a house. 
Everybody know when you move into a house, first thing you want to do is get the power cut on, okay? So you call the electric company, give them the address, tell them I want the power turned on. So you get the power turned on, and then you go to the house, and you even bring some light bulbs with you. Because everybody know when you move into a house, the first thing you got to take is the light bulbs. You take the light bulbs with you, you screw them in, but then you sit up in the darkness. Now, that individual looks crazy. So why are you sitting up here in the dark? He didn't flip. He did not activate the power. So that's what it means to activate the power and the authority that God has given us. So let's talk about these. Um, let's talk about these weapons. These WMDs, WMDs, weapons of mass destruction, prayer and fasting. I like to combine prayer and fasting. Although you can pray and get delivered, prayer and fasting is like that one-two punch. You're going to get the job done through prayer and fasting. The disciples could not cast a demon out of this young boy, and Jesus did. And they said, Lord, why couldn't we cast him out? Jesus said, this kind comes out but by prayer and fasting. So there are times that prayer will be sufficient. There are times that fasting will be sufficient. But there are times you're going to have to do both. You're going to have to turn your plate down, fast, and pray. Because Jesus said there's some stubborn spirit that don't want to give up their territory. They've been in that house so long, they feel like it's their house, and they don't want to go. So what you have to do is you have to fast and pray to dislodge the spirit that's trying to hold on to you. You got you, you to gotta fast and pray. Now, that therein lies the problem because a lot of people don't want, they're already not praying, but then you mentioned fasting, and they act like you they've seen a ghost. So we got to get to the point where we got to get serious about deliverance. You see, deliverance is only for those who want to be delivered. I've seen people try to pray over uh, somebody's will. Ain't no point in you trying to pray over somebody's will. If they don't want to be delivered, you, you can pray till the cows come home. Ain't nothing going to happen. You cannot pray against a man's will. If he want to keep his demons, you need to leave that person alone. So prayer and fasting. I'm going to give you eight spiritual uh, weapons of mass destruction. Now, there are more. I'm just giving you eight right now. It's sort of like your starting point. Prayer combined with fasting. Worship. Praise. The blood of Jesus. Faith. The word of God. The name of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit. 
praying in tongues. A lot of people don't, they pass up the opportunity to pray in tongues. I don't know whether it's because they're ashamed of it. I don't know whether it's because they're afraid of it. I, I, I don't know why. But they are filled with the Holy Spirit, but they don't pray in tongues. When you pray in tongues, you are talking directly to God. And the enemy, it's like you you speak in a foreign language because Satan don't know what you're saying. So we can use that. That's a weapon. That is a, the spirit is actually praying through you. And he prays the perfect prayer. He prays exactly what should be prayed. So we, are, we need to pray in the Holy Ghost. These weapons are mighty through God and can be used offensively as well as defensively. Believers must activate their faith when the Holy Spirit does the work. This is how we pull down strongholds and those wicked imaginations that exalt itself against the knowledge of God. We pull them down with the word of God. That's what Jesus did. When the enemy came to Jesus and tempted him in the wilderness, Jesus did not get in an argument with Satan. You know what he said? He quoted the scripture and he said, it is written. That's why believers need to spend time in the word. The word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword. It'll cut the devil's head off. But a believer that ain't got no word in them is a weak Christian. I'm going to say that again. A believer that don't have no word in them is a weak Christian. And I'm going to tell you something. The devil will pounce on you anytime he get ready. You must be full of the word in order to engage in spiritual warfare. You must be full of the word, the word of God. Jesus said this about the word. He said, my word is spirit and life. Then he went on to say, my word will not return unto me void, which means empty. It will accomplish, it will do what it was sent to do. So we cannot afford to neglect the word of God. And those that do, I'm going to tell you something. That's why you always have problems and situations. That's why you always feel overwhelmed. That's why it's one thing right after another. The enemy, he just dogging you out. Because he know you're a weak Christian, and he know you don't have no word in you. And when you don't have no word in you, you're going to be just like the children of Israel, full of fear. I know. I have been there before. I have been there. Until I got in this word and began to study to show myself approved unto God, a work that needed not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth.
Jesus said, if you abide in me and my word abide in you, you can ask what you will and it shall be done. I think people don't believe that, though. So they neglect the word. They neglect one of the greatest weapons of spiritual warfare that there is. I've been in a deliverance service uh, with Apostle Overton. And um, this was years ago when I met him, but he's still the same way. When I met him, he, he was doing a deliverance service in his house. And he used the word, the word, the word, the word consistently. It, it was just nonstop. He's full of the word. And that's what works in deliverance. Satan has to obey the word. Why? Because Jesus is the word made flesh that dwelt among us. People who neglect to feed their spirit man the word of God. I always use this illustration. If you put two pit bulls in a fence together and they get in a fight, which one going to win? The answer is simple, the one you feed. If you feed the flesh, all sorts of ungodly stuff, TV, uh, gossip, uh, entertainment, and you're watching all this crazy stuff and sports and all of this, and none of that in itself is wrong. But if that's all you spend your time in, you just feed in the flesh, feed in the flesh, feed in the flesh. So when the enemy attacks you, you ain't got no word in you, and you can't get the devil off you. Then you crying out for somebody else. Pray, pray. I need some help. When you neglected the word, the devil saw you. He saw you laying around. The devil saw you watching all that TV. The devil saw you gossiping and 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 and, and watching all kind of entertainment and videos and all of this. He saw. He said they ain't got no word in them. And when he gets ready, he will jump on you. He will pounce on you, and you won't even know what hit you. A Christian with no word in them is a weak and powerless Christian. Too many Christians are being defeated because they are not fighting back with the word of God. You're just simply allowing the enemy to attack you and violently beat you. He's just coming against you in rapid succession. It's like a a Uzi, a machine gun. You get out of one thing and there's something there, bam, 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 bam. The devil just hitting you and hitting you and hitting you and hitting you. And you don't even know how to come out of it. Because you don't have no word in you. You see, Satan is cruel and he is unmerciful. He is relentless. Satan don't go to sleep. He he don't get no rest. Especially in these last and evil days, he knows time is short. The word of God is one of the believer's greatest weapons, if not the greatest weapon. The word and the blood. 
Now, we got to learn to use it, how to utilize the word and the blood to defeat the enemy and to walk in victory. Now, Revelation, I'm going to turn there very quickly. Revelation 12 and 11 says, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. They overcame Satan by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. My God. Hallelujah. The believer who is full of the word is a strong and powerful Christian. He can fight. He can fight in the spirit realm. He knows how to war. He's not afraid of a fight. He don't run from no fight. He runs to the fight. See, we got to learn how to engage in spiritual warfare. Now, I thank God that God is a merciful God. God wants his people delivered. And to be delivered is to be set free from bondage, from the bondage of sin. All Christians need to be delivered from habits and addictions, mannerism and lifestyle. And some of this stuff, we didn't even know it was anything simple about it. Attitudes and mindsets, things that is not godly and that is not fruitful in the kingdom of God, we need to be delivered from it. You need to be delivered from some stuff you've been saying. It does not glorify God, and it does not edify. God intends for us to live a prosperous, and I'm not talking about money. I mean a prosperous, that means uh, uh, producing a fruitful life. Jesus' blood paid the price for our salvation. But deliverance comes only through activating and utilizing the dunamis power and authority, which is exousia. Now, there are groups groups of people, whole churches, that don't believe in demons. That has never stopped the demon from attacking them. Demons must be cast out. You know, I I, I, I was telling my husband last week, I don't understand how the church is trying to use the world's methods today. Churches now have 12-step programs and substance abuse programs and uh, all sorts of things that they're trying to do. And Jesus gave us dunamis power and authority, which is exousia, so we don't have to use the world's methods. Uh, I was, I was, I used to be addicted, heavily addicted, hopelessly addicted to crack cocaine. 
for more than 13 years of my life, I did not go to a 12-step program. I, 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 I didn't get delivered that way. I got delivered by calling on the name of Jesus. I confessed my sin. I repented of my sins. And instantly, God delivered me and set me free. So I don't know why people are going to these programs, and I don't know why churches are having these programs in their church when we have the power of the Holy Ghost. I just don't understand that. Nowhere in the Bible did it say counsel a demon. So now, instead of casting out demons, which I just read to you in Mark 16 and 16, I just read the scripture where God said we are supposed to cast out demons, that is, to them that believe. So I don't understand why now everybody's taking their children who are uh, full of demons to uh, counselors. Oh, well, he's in counseling. He's in counseling. <laughs> Boy, some of this stuff just make me laugh. It really would make me want to cry because the Bible doesn't tell us to counsel a demon. The demon must be cast demons, cast out devils. Let me Let me just read this again in case y'all think I'm making this up. Let me read this again. And just in case you think I'm making this up. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. So everybody that say that they are a believer are not a believer. In my name, they shall cast out devils. That's what Jesus said. He's speaking here. So either you are not a true believer or somebody's lying. And it ain't the Lord. He said, these signs shall follow them that believe. So if you believe the word of God, if you believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God and that he came and that he was on the earth and that he was crucified and that he rose on the third day with all power in his hands and that he ascended on high and that he sent the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, if you believe that, then you ought to be doing what the scripture says, casting out devils instead of taking your children and your family members and your loved ones and even yourself to counseling. You can't counsel a demon. You cannot. The devil is just sitting there laughing. He's laughing at the counselor and he's laughing at you. That counselor has no authority over him. As soon as you get back home, that devil, he going to whop you upside the head again. He said the devils must be cast out in his name. 
And this kind comes out but by prayer and fasting. Now, I want to tell you something. You can't go to anybody for deliverance because only free man can free a man. So what do you mean by that? Well, if this individual that you go to, if he got demons in him, and if he's bound up, he ain't going to be able to help you. If he's in sin, he ain't going to be able to help you. That's why the Bible said, try the spirit by the spirit and see whether it be of God. He says, know them that labor among you. If the pastor's chasing women, he's not going to be able to help you. And you got a, a spirit of lust and he got one. Them two demons get together and you're going to be shown up in trouble. You're going to come out worse than what you went in. Only a free man can free a man. Now, I'm going to help you to understand this. I've been in jail and prison many times. Told you I was strung out on crack. I became a prostitute. I got locked up several times, went to jail. I have never been able to let myself out of jail. It took somebody who was free and had the keys to let me out. All the inmates, we were locked up. Not one other inmate could let another inmate out of jail. It takes a free person. It takes a person who is not in bondage. So if you go to somebody who is in bondage to sexual sin, they can't free you. If you go to somebody who is a liar, they're not going to be able to free you. They're not going to be able to cast the devil out of you. You got to go to somebody that's living holy. The scripture says, be ye holy, for I am holy. Deliverance will not come. What's going to happen is you're going to let that person who got that unclean spirit in them lay hands on you and try to cast the devil out of you, and they're going to transfer the devil that's in them into you, and then you're going to leave, come away from that meeting with Another demon. Only a free man can free a man. So let me get back to my text in Exodus. So the children of Israel, they got to the Red Sea, and they began to cry because they saw all this water in front of them, and Pharaoh and his army was behind them. And as I told you, Pharaoh boasted of having, he had a strong army, but he had 600 chariots. He had 600 chariots 
So they cried out to God. And Moses told them to fear not, but stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. They didn't even know that God was setting Pharaoh up. Don't you know if you if if you follow God, He will set the devil up. I'm gonna give you a classic example. Jesus was an innocent man. He did nothing but good. He was the Son of God. He never did anything evil in his life. He is the only man that was sinless. That's why he could go to the cross for us. It took a free man. God Almighty! It took a free man to free man. Woo! I feel the Holy Ghost. So Jesus, who was without sin, went to the cross. The Bible says he was like a lamb before the slaughter. He opened not his mouth, said not a word. Let, let me go there. Let me go there. Isaiah 53. Hallelujah. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord have laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so opened he not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to crush him, for he had put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall prolong, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. My God, my God. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied by his knowledge. Shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. 
Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. God set the devil up. Satan crucified the Lord of glory. Thought he had him. If he had only known that somebody like me, a sinful, wicked woman, would be saved and somebody like you Born in sin, shaping in iniquity, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. If we had gotten our pay for our sin, it would have been death. But Satan, he didn't know that. He didn't know that when he crucified the Lord of glory that you and I and countless others would be saved through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. For without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sin. See, the devil is stupid. He don't know everything. God set him up. Glory be to God. So we see God setting up Pharaoh because Pharaoh let the children of Israel go after the death of the firstborn. And then Pharaoh, when he saw that they had gotten a good ways off, he said, I'm going after them. I'm going to get them and bring them back. And God knew that the Red Sea was in front of the children of Israel. So they got to the Red Sea, and there was nowhere for them to go. And Pharaoh and his army and his 600 chariots was in hot pursuit of them. You see, Pharaoh was crazy. Pharaoh had said he was God. He made the mistake of thinking, of believing his own press. He said he had made the Nile River. Now, you know he had to be crazy to think that he could make the Nile River. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Pharaoh deceived himself saying he was God and that he had made the Nile River. So what happened was God set him up. So Pharaoh got down there behind the children of Israel to the Red Sea. And God spoke to Moses. And he told him, Lift up thy rod and stretch it out over the sea and divide it. Now, when God speaks, 
I don't care how ridiculous it might seem. You got to be like Mary told the people at the wedding in Cana. Whatever he say, just do it. So Moses lifted up his rod. And the Bible says that the sea divided and that it congealed. It rose up into heaps and the water congealed. Now, this is a sea. And the Bible says that the children of Israel went through on dry ground. I'm talking about this almighty God that we serve today. He divided the Red Sea. Now, the sea is water, and water is wet. But God sent an east wind, and it blew all night long, and it blew to the sea, divided and congealed. And the children of Israel went through the Red Sea on dry ground. This God that we serve, he ain't no joke. I tell you he's not. Hallelujah. So the children of Israel, I can see them now, walking through the Red Sea on dry ground. Water them formed two walls on either side of them, but God done cut a highway through the Red Sea for his people. Glory be to God in the highest. God wants to deliver you. Hallelujah. More than you want to be delivered. So the children of Israel went through the Red Sea. They went through and they got to the other side. And then Pharaoh, he saw he saw what happened. And Pharaoh and his army went through behind them. But they didn't make it all the way through. When they got into the midst of the Red Sea, the Bible says that God told Moses to stretch out his hand again over the sea. And God calls the sea to go back. Hallelujah. He caused the sea to go back. The same sea that parted, God caused it to go back together. And Pharaoh and his army drowned in the Red Sea. And guess what? The children of Israel walked upon dry land in the midst of the sea. And the waters were a wall unto them on the right and on the left. But when Pharaoh tried to do it, God caused the sea to come back together. So not only did Pharaoh army drown, but the 600 chariots that he boasted in got stuck in the bottom of the sea. God caused the wheels to get stuck. My God, my God. Pharaoh found out that day who was God. 
who was the true and living God. Pharaoh found out that day. Unfortunately, it was too late. He found out, but it was too late. And Miriam and the women took a timbrel in their hand, and they began to sing a song. They said, for the horse of Pharaoh went in with his chariots and with his horsemen into the sea. And the Lord brought again the waters of the sea upon them. But the children of Israel went on dry land in the midst of the sea. And they began to sing unto the Lord. They sang and danced unto the Lord. I tell you, God wants to deliver you. And he wants to deliver you more than you want to be delivered. God will bring you out if you want to be brought out. Glory be to God. I want to share with you something the Lord taught me. The seven I wills of God. It's found in Exodus chapter 6. And we're going to start with verse 6. Wherefore say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will rid you out of their bondage, and I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments, and I will take you to me for a people, and I will Be to you a God, and ye shall know that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will bring you in unto the land concerning the which I did swear to give it to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and I will give it you for and heritage. I am the Lord. You see, God wants to deliver you. He says, I will deliver you from the Egyptians and from the burdens of Egyptian bondage. I will. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. If there's anybody listening to the sound of my voice that's wondering if God will deliver you, he said it right here in his word. He said, I will. I will. I will. He said it seven times. I will. Glory be to God. I will be your God, and you will be my people. He said, I will take you to me, and I will bring you in unto the land which I swear to give to your fathers, and I will give it to you for a heritage. He said, I am the Lord. God wants to deliver you. He said right here, I will deliver you. I will. Glory be to God. The question is, if you will. There was a man In the New Testament, I can't tell you the exact chapter and verse. He 
he was uh he had um uh, he had a disease and he saw Jesus and he said, Lord, if thou will, you can make me clean. And the Lord said, I will. Hallelujah. Glory be to God in the highest. I'm talking to somebody tonight. I don't know who you are, but you are going through something, and you want to know if God will deliver you. And the Spirit of the Lord is saying, I will. God will deliver you. Is it your will to be delivered? God wants to deliver you, to deliver his people. Hallelujah. He wants to deliver his people from bondage, from the bondage of drug addiction, and from the bondage of sin, and from the bondage of sexual immorality, and from the bondage of alcoholism, and from the bondage of homosexuality and the bondage that we find ourselves in, the bondage of lying, the bondage of stealing. God wants to deliver you. And tonight he is saying, I will. You're saying, Lord, will you deliver me? Will you deliver me, oh God? And his answer is, I will. Hallelujah. If you'll just fall on your knees right where you are and cry out to God, he will deliver you. His answer is, I will. I will be your God. I will cleanse you and deliver you from all unrighteousness. I will. Hallelujah. I will shed my blood, hallelujah, to redeem your soul. I will. That's what Jesus said when he got on that cross. He said, I will. He said, I will do your will. He said, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But he said, not my will, Lord. Let thy will be done. In other words, he's saying, I will go to the cross for you. I will pay the debt that you cannot pay. I will deliver you. I will save you. I will set you free. I will, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Tonight I want to know, is there anybody listening to the sound of my voice who wants to be delivered? God wants to deliver you. Hallelujah. He delivered Moses and the children of Israel. He removed, good God Almighty, he removed the enemy. He said, the Egyptian whom you have seen today, you will see him again no more forever. When they cried at that Red Sea, Lord, will you help us? Lord, will you save us? Lord, will you deliver us? 
He said, I will. Glory be to God. For the Lord shall fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. Somebody's going through a terrible ordeal right now. Maybe you're being abused by your spouse. Maybe your spouse is cheating on you and beating on you. And the Lord is saying, I will deliver you. Glory be to God. Maybe you're in a bed of fornication tonight. And you're saying, Lord, will you deliver me? My God, my God. And his answer to you is, I will deliver you. I will. And I will save you unto myself to be my child, and I will be your God. He said, I will. I will. All you got to do is cry out to him in sincerity. Cry out to him in sincerity, and he will deliver you. God wants to deliver you more then you want to be delivered. And he's standing there and he is saying to whoever is listening to this message tonight, he is saying, I will deliver you. This is Evangelist Janet Taylor. I have preached to you the word of the Lord. And that word is God wants to deliver you. Coming to you live from Walls of Fire, Deliverance Ministry International. Our web address is www.wallsoffiredeliverancemin.com. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 1148, Walkertown, North Carolina, 27051. Our phone number is 336-575-0206. Our email address is jet245 at msn.com. Listen, if you are being blessed by this ministry, you can PayPal us using the email address or Zelle us using the email address. Hallelujah. May God bless you. May God bless you. May God bless the people of God tonight. And in closing, I will say, God wants to deliver. And he is saying, I will. If you're looking for answers tonight, God's answer is I will. And you can find those seven I wills in Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 through 8 the seven I wills of God. And he is speaking to you tonight, saying, I will. 
deliver you. May God bless you, and may heaven smile on you. Amen and amen.